listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Five things that will make 2024 your best year ever. Five decisions that will make 2024 your best year ever. Again, we've been hitting this. We've been covering this. Things don't happen by accident. Things don't happen by accident. Love you, Britt. There is always stimulus. Some kind of a stimulus causes something to take place. There's always a cause and effect in the kingdom of God. And people don't get accidentally blessed. People don't get randomly blessed. It's not that some sovereign thing falls on you and nobody can explain why it happened. That's not the word. That's not what the word of God teaches. And so tonight, um, very importantly, we want 2024 to be a banner year, the best year we've ever seen in our lives. And um, there are some things that I just know to be true, first by experience, by talking to people, and also by the Spirit. I know uh, how things work and what people are sitting on and waiting for to happen. And I also know how the devil likes to try to hinder people from having what God said is theirs. And so I'm going to give you five things that tonight, these will help you. Um, Obviously, I'm, I'm putting these things in my Uh, spirit in my life. I'm believing for the greatest year I've ever seen in my life. And these five decisions will help you immensely as we're moving through 2024. It's our year of open heavens. And we're going to see, as I said this morning, open doors. Open heavens equals open doors. And if you're just jumping on now, I want you to put that first thing again in the comments tonight. Open heavens equals open doors. And I had people write that this morning, and uh, it's so vital to understand it. God will start opening doors that nobody else could open for you. Open heavens equals open doors. And we're going to run through. We're going to run through in power and in victory. And we're going to see these things quickly come to pass. So I'm going to give you these five decisions. I want you to write it down. Take some notes. We'll walk through them. Talk about what they mean. And... uh, understand how these are going to function throughout our year in 2024 this year. But um, I started with this one because uh, it's something that I've seen people allow to hold them back. Doesn't matter what year it is. I've watched it happen and um, I don't want it to happen for you. So I want you to put it in the comments like this. Number one, this is your first decision that'll make this your best year ever. Give yourself a deadline. Give myself a deadline. Give myself a deadline. You say, what do you mean by that? There are things in your life, in your business, in your ministry, in your calling that you know you're supposed to produce, that you know you're supposed to do. For some of you, you've been feeling and feeling and feeling to launch this business. For some of you, the Lord's been telling you to step out in this ministry. For others, you know there's this idea that I have to develop. For others of you, I've got to get this book out. This is my year to get this book out. There's something 
that God's given you personally to do. And the key is, number one, give yourself a deadline. Make your mind up. I refuse to float through 2024, now we're in a new year, 2024, and not see this thing accomplished again. I'm not going to float through this year and go through another year where my business didn't get launched, my ministry didn't begin, my book wasn't written, whatever it is God's given you. Give yourself a deadline. It's going to come to pass, but it won't accidentally come to pass. Hear what I'm saying? Launch. Launch. When I was living in Virginia Beach, I had a friend of mine who, man, did he have really, really nice equipment. I mean, he had the best of the best equipment. And I used to go over to his place and, uh, and check out his equipment. And he had a setup, beautiful setup, studio in his house. And he was a very talented guy, you know, and, and is. He's not dead. Is a very talented guy. Um, musician, great, great uh, key, uh, guitar player, but also he, he couldn't only play guitar. He could play other instruments as well. He could play keyboard. There were other things he could do. And um, amazing setup, amazing setup. Had a beautiful studio he built for himself. And when I say top of the line equipment, he had top of the line, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment set up. And I'd come over to his house and he'd be like, listen to this, listen to this thing I made, listen to this thing I tracked. And I would listen and it sounded so good, like so good. And, he'd, and he was big into scoring and he loved music and movies and he, he would score things and do orchestral programming. And, and he'd be like, man, listen to this. I wrote a theme song for this and I had this idea. Listen to how this came out. And I mean, it was great. It was so great. He was talented. And um, I look back and I was thinking over these interactions that I had with him. Because I'd be at his place and listen to the music and, and look at the stuff that he did. And man, it was impressive and it was good. And he had all this gear. But then nothing ever launched. Nothing ever came out. There was no album. There was no, n nothing on streaming services. Back then, we, weren't really, we didn't really have streaming services yet. There was nothing on CD. There was nothing put out. And uh, I, I always looked. I was like, man, he's talented. Great player. And he, and he could, could produce and all this other stuff. And I thought, man, nothing. Nothing's out. And he spent all this money. And he spent all this time and he set up the space and he's actually making music and nothing's coming out. Nothing's coming out. And it's like, dude, this guy, I'm trying to figure it out. And then I would talk to him. And when I would talk to him, thinking about it later, it really made me realize he'd say stuff like this. Next quarter, such and such a brand is getting ready to release this new piece of equipment and it would be whatever it was. There's a new pedal coming out that I'm going to add to my guitar rig. And this new pedal, wait till you hear the stuff that it does. I've just listened to the demo. This new pedal is next level. Wait till you hear what it's going to be able to do. And then after that, man, this company is getting ready to release this suite of plugins. And when I get these plugins, let me tell you, you should hear what it does to the orchestral sounds, what it does to the cello section and the string section. These plugins are going to be next level. And then, hey, I'm in touch with this company that they're developing a system that they're going to do mastering. When they get that system developed and mastering is going to be done. And literally, it was always, now watch this. 
his dreams, his desires, what he was anointed, called, and talented to do, always hung in front of him. Do something you can actually see on camera. Always hung in front of him like a carrot. But the carrot was always just out of his reach. And the carrot was out of his reach, and the further he'd go, he would just keep something out there in front of him. Oh, there's another plug-in. There's another piece of gear. There's another company. There's another monitor, another computer. And it was always, I'm just waiting on this next thing. And when this next thing drops, it's going to change everything. This next thing's going to change anything, everything. And I learned from that that there will always be something there will always be something that you can delay for. There's always going to be something that you can say, well, if I could wait a little bit longer, if I just had that, if I just did this, if I just had that, <laughs> I, should, I should bring in here at some point because we found it. I was going through the uh, online. We found it. The very first online videos that I ever recorded. I found these. They're so cringy. I can't even tell you how cringy they are. Oh, but we found them. Uh, I would set up this big black curtain in my living room and uh, I had these lights that were so hot. I would sweat after like two videos and I would stand there and in my dress shirt with my little iPad and be like, hello everyone. I'm Ted Shuttlesworth. And it was, it was like so cringy. I had no personality on camera. I was so subdued. It would be, and I had hair. It was so subdued. You'd laugh. I mean, I should play them at some point, but Here's the thing. I had one camera that I bought from Best Buy that was on a flimsy tripod with cheap lighting in front of a black curtain standing in front of that talking to the camera. But let me tell you, I could have been like, well, one day I'll have better cameras and a studio and one day I'll have better lighting and better microphones and all that. But you know what? Instead of all that, I just put it out. I recorded it and I let it go. I launched it. I knew I was supposed to produce uh, videos for people to watch online to encourage their faith and to hear about the Bible. And so I, I, I didn't say, well, you know, when I get a better computer, when I get a better microphone, when I get a better camera. No, I just launched it. I just launched it. There's a band that um, the band was called. Oh, now I'm going to say it. Now it's going to escape my mind. Not Nirvana. Sublime, thank you. Sublime. If you know the story about Sublime, they were like, they became a very, very popular band, but it was always surprising to me to hear the story that these guys, they had written their music and they were recording their music, but they weren't in some big recording studio somewhere. And we're talking about albums that went mainstream, that went all over the United States. People sang their songs. They, they had concerts. They were touring. They were a big band. But... This band Sublime, it's crazy to know these guys wrote their music and then they recorded the music they wrote in their living room with a little eight track recorder that back then it might have even been a four track that they had in their studio. They plugged in in their living room, their instruments, <laughs> and they tracked on this little eight track recorder uh, where you could do eight different instruments at once and they would do it live. And they would record it and then do the drums and whatever else. And they got it done. And then because they didn't have money and they had no budget and they weren't with some big label yet, they had friends at a local community college that worked 
in the sound department of the community college and they told them, if you'll come in at night when nobody's here, you can use the studio to mix and master your album. So these guys plugged all this stuff up in their living room into some cheap little recorder, recorded all their tracks, and then took it in overnight to a community college into the studio and mixed and mastered all their songs. It wasn't some professional place and some professional group and some producer and a, a music studio. No, they just knew, I got, we got to get this music out. We've got to get this music out. And they used what they had and they said, you know what? We're just going to launch it. We're launching it. We're launching it. Do you know, raise your hand in the comments if you're familiar with Dave Matthews Band. If you've ever heard of the Dave Matthews Band, put your hand up in the comments if you have. Can I tell you, if you don't know this, how they blew up all over the country? Would you like to know? Before they dropped these big albums and everybody knew who they were, let me tell you what really caused them to blow up. Dave Matthews Band would allow people to go back to the soundboard of their concert and plug in to the auxiliary outputs of their soundboard and record their concerts while they were live. And then they allowed those people to take those concerts and duplicate the cassette tapes and pass their music out for free. Now, you wonder why they become, became such a massive band among colleges all over the United States. It's because they would do concerts and let people take their music for free. People who loved them, they were like brand evangelists for Dave Matthews Band. And they, to let someone go to your soundboard and plug into the auxiliary output to record your concert and not be freaked out about it. No, because they knew what was going to happen. They could have been all weird out, weirded out. Well, it's not going to sound professional. It's not professionally mixed or mastered. People, people are going to get the wrong idea about our bit. No, no. They understood. People love it. We need to launch this. We need to let people have a grassroots movement to share our music all over America. And people did it like you wouldn't believe. Some of you are old enough to remember because you were in the Dave Matthews Band era of the 90s. And you remember how massive, and they're still big, but how massive their concerts were. Filling Central Park in New York City as far as you can see through, through Central Park. Those massive music festivals. And they would pack it out. Pack stadiums. Stadiums where NFL teams play. And how did it start? It all started because they weren't afraid to just launch out. You know, they told them, they said, this is such a weird uh, amalgamation of people in this band. You know, you had Dave Matthews, who, who was a bartender at a jazz bar in Virginia. You had these other guys that were jazz players. The drummer and the saxophonist were jazz players on the circuit in Charlottesville, Virginia. And then you had the uh, um, fiddle player that they picked up later. And then their bass player, Stefan Lassard, was 16 years old when he started playing with them, which means they had to sneak him into the back of bars and clubs and sneak him out the back when they were done playing because he was underage. And it's such a weird grouping of guys. You got this bartender writing all these weird melodies and songs on his guitar. You got two jazz players, a fiddle player, and a 16-year-old bass player. And it's like, what are you guys even doing together? And then all of a sudden, they started making music that took America over. They were all over the radio, hit after hit after hit, packing out 
stadiums. And what caused them to just blow up is that they were willing to let people, they just launched it. They said, we're going to do it. Jess, come on. Jess Burton, come on. You're going to do that to me right now? You're going to do that in the comments to me? They just crashed into each other somehow. Now I hear the guitar riff. The guitar riff is playing in my mind. Jess, come on, tighten up, keep it together. Um, they, allow, they allowed people to just copy their music and to just pass it out. They weren't freaking out. They said, we just need to launch this thing because we know if we just launch it, people are going to love it. You know what that means? They had a faith in themselves. They had a faith that like, if we just let this happen, if we launch, <laughs> she said, I thought it was funny. If we just launch this, it, that was just one of their most popular songs ever, Tammy. Crash into me. They crashed into each other. That was just, just, just destroying in the comments. Just destroying. I see Jess laughing somewhere in a room by cackling at the screen. <laughs> they had faith, they had faith enough in what they were doing. And it wasn't even anything Christian. It didn't have anything to do with God, but they had faith enough to say, if we let this happen, if we launch this now and let people just do it, it's going to go all over. It's going to blow up. And it blew up. It blew up because they didn't hold back and say, well, you know, let's just wait. Don't let anybody get a hold of our music. Just wait. Just wait until we can get into a studio. We can make an album professionally produced. We'll get it out professionally. No, just launch, just launch. And that's the thing for you this year. This is your year. It's open heavens. It's open doors. So don't be like the stories that I've told where you're waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm just waiting on one, one other thing. And then I think that's going to happen. And then I just need this. And just one more thing. needs. No, just launch it. That God's given you a thing. He's put it in your spirit. He's put it in your heart to just go and, and step out. Let do, do this. Give yourself a deadline and go. Go for it. That's right, Katie. If they can do it without God, what can we do with God? A whole lot more. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Give yourself a deadline and launch that thing. Launch that. It doesn't mean be sloppy. It doesn't mean don't use wisdom. But, but literally, give yourself a time frame and say, like, I'm not dragging this on for a whole nother year. I'm not going to get into 2025 still talking about the business that I was going to launch and the ministry that I'm going to do and the book that I'm going to write. No, it's coming out. Set a deadline and go after it. Launch it. And watch how if God told you to do it, then there's going to be a blessing on your obedience. And one of the things that people, it frustrates people and then they have regrets about it is they go back and say, man, you talk to him seven years later and like, yeah, you know, I'm still kind of making notes on that book. That, uh, yeah, I'm still getting my ideas together for this business. And there's always something. And if you allow yourself to get caught up in that, then you'll never move forward. And 2024 is going to be the best year ever because you finally realize the thing God put in your heart. It's coming to pass. Your business will launch. Your ministry will launch. Your book's coming out. You're going to, whatever, if you're going to make a musical album, whatever it is, whatever the thing God gave you to do, it's going to launch. And this is going to be, you'll look back and say, 2024 was the year that I all, I started it. This 2024 was the year that everything came out. The things that I was believing for, I saw them. I held my book in my hand. I'm looking at my first check from my business. I booked my first meeting for our ministry, whatever it might be. Set a deadline. 
and launch. That's number one. Set a deadline and launch and go into the thing God put in your heart. Now, number two, the second decision that you have to make, because consistency is king, is this. Make sure you're doing something in 2024 that gives you the ability to have trackable monthly movement. How are you moving forward? Can, do you, would you even know if you were moving forward in 2024? How would you know? Give yourself something with trackable monthly movement. Think of it this way. Each month of the year, something's going to come to pass that I'm going to be able to point back and say, February is the month this happened for me. March is the month that we did this. You know, and it can be attached to the first thing if you want it to be, right? Let's say that this is the year that you're going to, um, you know, release your music album or whatever. And it's like January is the year that I finalized my track or the month that I finalized my track list. Or January is the month that I, that I you know, finished writing all the songs that I was writing. February is the month I finalized my track list and I, I get everything. I got the chord charts written and everything done. March is the month that I started tracking. And I started laying down tracks in the studio. You know what I mean? April's the month that we started polishing off songs and getting things ready to start to go to mixing. And May is the month that we completed our mixing of all the songs. And June is the month that we got everything polished and cut and ready to go to, to uh, mastering. You know what I mean? And then July, our tracks are all mastered. And, and in August, our artwork has been created for the new album and you know whatever. There's, there's trackable monthly movements. Something's being produced. Something's coming to pass each month. Don't, you know what I mean? Don't let a month come to an end and you feel like nothing got done this month. I just hope next month, something should take place. I'm not saying that every month a massive thing has to be launched. I'm not telling you that you need to have 12 businesses launch in 12 months. It, it doesn't have to be like that. But at least you can point to January and say January was the month that this happened. And I can look at that and say, I know that's a big move. That's a big move forward towards my goal. Every month, Something should be accomplished for the kingdom, for the purpose God's placed on your life. Push, I, I like to think of it this way, push so that you look to the end of the month and say, look what we produced. At the end of the month, with the help of God, we looked and January's completed and this has happened. This has happened. This has happened, right? Not only do we complete the 21 day fast, you know, but you know, whatever it might be for you. For those of you that are joining us, in January, we're launching this uh, Keyboard Academy. And there's other things that are getting ready to launch. There's other uh, announcements that I'm going to give you very soon that are all taking place this month of January. This ministry is moving forward in January. Things are happening. We're not going to come to the end of the month and say, well, we're just believing February is going to be a month we get. No, 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 no. Every month, there's trackable monthly movement. Trackable monthly movement. What's coming to pass for Miracle Word, for your life, in the month of January. Something's going to happen. Right? And don't worry, Beverly. We're going to help you through all of that as we get ready to launch into the book writing course. You'll have all the help in the world that you need. All of it. So that's number two. Trackable monthly movement. There should be something each month that you can point to and say, this was accomplished in May. This was accomplished in August. Something that you can point to. And you feel like, man... That's, that's, that's a big thing. That's a step out of the way. That's something that, you know, I didn't, none of that was done. And then this month completed next month, this is completed. And you only know that. Now think about this. You only know that by prioritization. Think how this works. You only know that because you have a plan. 
You only know that because you know the things you're, you're accomplishing. Now, if you don't know, if you have no plan, if you don't know anything, that's going to come in before the deadline. I mean, you need to know what it is you're doing. What is it I'm trying to do? What is it I'm working toward? has to be definable. I mean, we got to define it. Priorities defined. Don't just sit back in faith and say, God's going to do big things. What does that mean? God's going to do big things. What does that mean? Number three, this is big. This is really big. This decision. Make a decision to be clutter-free in 2024. Now listen to what I'm saying. You say a phrase like that and people think clean your room. I'm not talking about clean your room. I'm talking about every entanglement upon your life that feels like you're reaching forward, but there's vines wrapped around you that feel like they're, they're, and you know what I'm talking about. One of the reasons people don't experience their best year ever, they don't experience God's best in their life, there's a lot of entanglements. There's a lot of time wasters, relationships that are wasted. There's a lot of things that are simply cluttering your life, your vision, your purpose, your ministry, your business, whatever, your family. Clutter free. Now, it may, it may have to do with, you know, there's a whole lot to be said for, for having even all actual clutter removed out of your way. <laughs> That's easy. That's easy to know. It's going to affect your mindset. It's going to make you feel more focused. You, you can't be focused and prioritized in the midst of a mess. You can't do that. So it may, it may mean in the natural be, becoming clutter-free. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people, their lives are filled with clutter. They've, they've got so many entanglements to things that are pulling their attention in so many directions, they can't even do the thing they're called to do. They can't. They're cluttered. They're connected to things. They're entangled in things. That I, It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your life. Get, get out, learn to get out of things that, that are just literally holding you back. Get, get out of like, get out of those relationships, get out of those whatever. If, you, if you've made any kind of, let me just say it like this. If you've made any kind of obligations for yourself that you just sit around and think about and dread, I can't believe I have to do this. I don't, I can't believe I'm still involved in this. And as I'm saying this, you know exactly what I'm talking about because they're coming straight to your mind. You're thinking about them. That every time it comes up and you have to do it again or you have to get involved with again, you're like, I can't believe that I'm still involved in this. I can't believe I got to do this. Blah, 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 blah. And I gave it. Listen to me. Your purpose is more important than that. Disengage from every entanglement. Disengage. Say, well, I gave my word. Just because you gave your word doesn't mean you have to be connected to something for the rest of your life. Just go back and give your word again and say, listen, I tried it out. This is not working for me, especially as we're moving into the new year. I'm going to have to pull back. Whatever it is, disengage from entanglements. Because as you do that, it's going to give you more freedom to accomplish the thing that's in your life that's going to make 2024 the best year ever disengage from entanglements. There's like, there's even literally relationships that people just keep around because they feel like some kind of an obligation. I've known them for a long time, but in all reality, there's no value. 
They're sucking you dry. They're sucking you dry. Every conversation you leave feeling like you need a shower. Wasting your time. Draining your energy. Everything's drama. Everything's Disengage from entanglements. Just disengage. There's no shame in that. You, you won't even be able to say yes to the right things unless you say no to the wrong things. You got to get good at saying that. Just get good at it. Just get used to it. No, I'm not able to. Sorry. I just can't do it. I'm not able to do it. Now, obviously, that's not something you're going to tell your boss you know, if they ask you to do something. So you work here. You, know, like you have to do what we're asking you to do. But I'm talking about there's people that want your time. There's I mean, all kinds of stuff. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, entanglements. And really, in all honesty, you know it as well as I do, it is something that keeps you hindered from being able to fully give yourself to the thing that you're called to do, the thing you feel to do. So you gotta, you gotta disengage. If you don't disengage, you're gonna be sitting around for a long time frustrated. If you want 2024 to be your best year, clean all that stuff up so that it's not holding you anymore. Let this be the year you're free and clear. Free and clear. I've had to do it. I've, I've literally disengaged relationships that I knew. I've given you some, some markers before. I've told you, if you see calls and texts come through on your phone and you're like, ugh, what do they want again? If you're dreading every time somebody calls you, it's a sign that that's a relationship that is totally entangling you. It's not blessing you. <laughs> that, that's right. I agree with Denise. She said, and say no with no excuses because... You don't need to explain your no. You don't have to explain your no to anybody. I'm just not able to. I'm sorry. A lot of things I'm planning to do this year. I'm just not able to do it anymore. So you just move forward. Clutter free. I'm free of entanglements. That's right, Lenny. Just free. I'm free from entanglement. entanglements. Not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to allow 2024 to go by and I'm still in December frustrated. I never got rid of this stuff, never got it out of my life, never moved it and cleaned it up so I could run with momentum. If you're going to run in a track meet, you don't put a snowsuit on. Anybody knows that. If you're going to run track and field, you don't get out there. I'll go 300 yards. I'm going to do the 300 meter. You don't do it in a snowsuit and snow boots. You put on the shorts, the running shoes, and the tank top. And then you run with everything you got. What are you doing? Laying aside every weight that does so easily beset you. Some of the weights that are laying on people are not sins. Ooh, that's a heavy word for somebody tonight. Sometimes the weights that are laying on you, that are keeping you back, aren't even sins. There are things that are weighty that you allow to lay on you that you just need to dis disengage from the entanglement. Is it wrong to have a friendship with a person that's always in drama? No. But it's also not a blessing. <laughs> it's also not a blessing. I'm like, I, you know, that's not a sin to be friends with somebody that just always has something they're struggling with, always want to talk. And then you're like, oh my goodness, I have to hear this nonstop. That's not a sin, but it's also not a blessing. It's not pushing you towards your purpose. 
You got to realize because a lot of times we're, you know, people are bleeding hearts, but it's like, dude, people are full grown men and women. They need to, it, it, you're not, it's not your job to babysit everybody through their entire life. People are full grown men and women. At some point they got to grow up and live their life. Grow up and live your life. We've all done it. Now you do it. But I'm, I'm not carrying their weight. I'm happy to pray for them, happy to believe God with them, but I'm not just going to carry their burdens every day because they call me for a 30-minute dump. They're dumping on me for 30 minutes. I'm not doing it. <laughs> just let it go. Disengage from the entanglement and move forward. Well, that sounds mean, brother. It's not me. It depends on how important you think your purpose is. Just depends on how important you think your purpose is. If you don't think it's important and you don't think it's it's important and it's urgent to accomplish, then do whatever you want. But if you believe in what God's called you to do, if you believe in the anointing that's upon your life, then you got to disengage, disengage from entanglements and declutter. Get all that stuff off and be free and clear to run in 2024. It's not going to happen if you're, if you're allowing every nonsensical time waster to fill your, to fill your, it's, I see too much of that, too much. And, and I feel bad because I want to see people accomplish their purpose and, and fulfill what God's given them, but they allow their time to be wasted. They allow it. And it's just like, dude, come on, man. Press in, declutter, disengage from entanglement, and run with momentum into what God's given you to do. Love you, Chopper. Number four. Here's a big deal for 2024. Decision one, make a deadline, stick to it, and launch what God's given you. Number two, you should have trackable monthly movement. Every month, something should be produced. Every month, something should be taking place for you. Number three, clutter-free in 2024. Disengage from entanglement, every entanglement that holds you back. Number four, most people don't have this, even though they front like they do, even though they act like they do, they don't. Have an effective spirit plan. Have an effective spirit plan. I have to get this out someday soon, but years ago, maybe it's now been two years. I mean, because Tiffany was living here when I did this, so I know it's been about two years. I taught a broadcast called The Five Areas of Your Life That You Must Master. Five Areas of Your Life That You Must Master. I, it's, it's one of the most important things that I've ever, probably that I've ever taught. I just got a director's note. Sounds like someone needs a deadline. It's probably me. This is the year. This is the year. But it's true. Um, most people act like or front like they have a plan. They don't have a plan. For example, here, and I'm not going to quiz you. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but Ask yourself these questions because the five areas of your life that you have to master or they'll master you is your spiritual life, it's your mental life, your physical life, your financial life, and your relational life. If you don't master your mind, your spirit, your body, your money, and your relationships, they will master you. They'll master you. And so ask yourself, if somebody came to you like, and you had to answer like immediately. You couldn't think about it. You couldn't just say, well, let me put that together. If somebody came to you right now and said, what is your plan in 2024 to develop your spirit? What would you even say? 
Do you have a, a spiritual plan to develop yourself to another level? Do you have a plan to take yourself to the next level in the kingdom? Your kingdom plan to go to another level for, the, for your spiritual maturity. What's your spirit plan? If somebody asked you straight out, what's your plan to develop yourself spiritually this year? If somebody said to you, what's your plan to develop your mind in 2024? Do you have an actual plan put in place right now? I mean, we're, we're two weeks into 2024. So what's your plan to develop your mind, your soul? How are you going to have more peace in 2024? How are you going to have more joy? How are you going to develop your wisdom? That's, your, that's all your soul. How, what, what plan do you have in place to do that? If somebody said to you, what plan do you have in place to get your body in check in 2024? To get all those things that could be out of your body, out of your body. Anything that deals with diet, any sickness that stems from poor diet, what are you going to do to get your body back on track in 2024? What are you going to do to get your money on track in 2024? What are you going to do to get your relationships on track in 2024? There should be a plan. You should have a written plan that you can easily tell somebody about. If they wanted to follow your plan, think of yourself as a trainer. If they wanted to follow my plan to get my relationships in check in 2024, I could give them the steps. This is my plan to get my money in place in 2024. Here's my steps. My spirit man to build, my, my wisdom to build, my soul, my body. Here's my steps. Most people act like they have a plan, but they don't have a plan. An actionable, detailed plan. And uh, I was with a pastor one time. What, what, we had a powerful revival, man. And, and uh, the youth group was on fire. And they were bringing people and people were getting saved and the, the church was getting filled up every night. And uh, I remember we went out to eat after one of, the, one of the services. And I said to the pastor, I was like, man, listen, this is a powerful revival. I said, now listen, your church is growing through this revival. But I said, what plan do you have in place to continue the growth of this church throughout the rest of the year? And he was like, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. He's like, I just, I'm just believing that the youth group's going to keep bringing people. I was like, dude, that's not a plan. You're just believing that the youth group's going to keep bringing more people. I was like, that's not a plan. That's not a growth plan. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to continue the growth of this church? Well, I don't know. You know why? He had no plan. He had nothing in place. No plan. Most people don't have any plan. And Yadira is putting the SMART goals. I, I agree with those. We teach those on this broadcast. The SMART goals are vital. Your plan should be specific, measurable, attainable, relatable, and time-bound, or relevant and time-bound. Relevant to your purpose. Specific goals that are measurable, actually attainable. My goal is not going to be by the end of this year I'm going to be able to fly. It's not attainable. Unless I'm going to become a pilot and get my pilot's license. <laughs> I'm going to flap these arms and talk. It, it ain't happening. You can flap them as long as you want. Wonderful quote. I don't know if that's Zig Ziglar or who that is, Denise, but I've heard it before. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. And that's, actually, that's absolutely true. What's your, what's your spirit plan for 2024? What's your spirit plan? Do you actually, so for example, do you actually have a plan I mean, once we get out of this fast, I've given you a Bible reading plan. But after we get out of the fast, do you have a Bible reading plan? That's your daily. It's, it's just your daily driver. It's something you know to do every day. How do you know what to do every day? Is it written down somewhere? 
I keep one written in my calendar that repeats every month. So all I have to do is look at the day in the calendar. It tells me exactly what Bible I'm reading today. Did it again today. I can just look at that day on the calendar. It shows me exactly what chapters I have to read today, every, every month of the year. What is your Bible reading plan? Thanks, my friend. Thanks, Chopper. What is your Bible reading plan? The next question is, do you have a prayer plan? Do you have a prayer time? Do you have prayer points? Do you have an, a, a length of time you pray? Do you have a place you go to pray? Is there something you're believing for? What's your prayer plan? Here's one that, that most people aren't, aren't going to want to think about right now because we're coming to the end of the fast, but do you have a fasting plan for the rest of the year? Are you setting up time to fast and pray throughout the rest of the year? Is this going to be your only time? Or are you going to take days throughout each month? Or, or is there anything in place at all? Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? Have you set any goals or a plan for your giving? I'm believing, and what have we been saying? I'm believing that God's putting the largest seeds in my hand that I've ever sown this year. I'm going to sow the largest seeds I've ever sown in 2024. Well, do you have a gift? Do you know how much you sowed last year? Do you know what you're trying to surpass to get what's going to do it for 2024 so that you gave more than you did last year? What's the largest seed you sowed last year? Are you going to beat it this year? Do you have a plan to beat it? And so the key is set a spirit plan. Your spirit's the most important thing because as you're feeding your spirit, your mind's being renewed. It's kind of like you're doing double duty. As I'm feeding my spirit, my mind's being renewed by prayer, the reading of the word, the washing of water by the word, right? So it's like you're doing double duty. And then the Bible says that the word goes into your flesh and it's healing and health to your flesh. So it's triple duty. But what is the plan? Set something in place. My uncle Tiff always says this. He says, uh, it's hard to hit a target you can't see, but it's impossible to hit a target you don't have. It's hard to hit a target you can't see, but it's impossible to hit a target you don't have. If you don't target something, you'll never hit it. That's why it's even better if you have to. Some people say, well, plan small and that way you're never disappointed. No, I say plan big. So that way, if you don't even, even if you don't fully hit the whole thing, you know what's better? You know, to, I'm making the plan to read the New Testament every single month, but, you know, that's nine chapters of the Bible a day. But even if I do eight chapters today or seven chapters, let me tell you, that's far better than saying, well, I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible a day. A chapter of the Bible, I'd rather do nine chapters of the Bible a day and plan to read the New Testament every month of the year. I'd rather aim big, right? That's it, Matt. Shoot for the stars and hit the moon. I'd, ra I'd rather aim big and have a big goal. And even if I fall a little bit short, guess what? I've still done a lot. I've still done a lot. I've still done a lot. And so if you want this to be the best year you've ever had, your spirit man's going to have to blow up to the next level. It's going to have to go up to the next level. And so you've got to create some kind of a spiritual plan. For example, when we talked about the word prayer, fasting, giving, these are something 
These are things that should be written down so that you would know if anybody asked you, um, you know, because I, I always, you know what I'll do just to check on people? Not that I'm trying to like, you know, <laughs> dig a screwdriver. I just like, um, even with my kids, you know, I'll say like, um, what have you been, what have you been seeing? I'll, I'll ask my, what, what have you been seeing uh, in the scripture? Have you seen anything in the Bible? What, what's been standing out to you? Well, you know, it's like, okay, what have you been, what have you been reading specifically? And she'll know I'm going to ask for that. Uh, well, this is where I'm at. This is what's in my reading plan right now. This is what in the Bible I'm reading. This is the book of the Bible I'm in. This is how many chapters I'm reading a day. They know I'm going to ask for a breakdown. What are you reading right now? Where are you? How many chapters a day are you reading? What's the plan? Why? Because we want to do something specific. We want to make sure that I could think of it this way. Don't just come up with a desire because a desire is not a goal. That's why it's important, like Yadira was saying, to have those SMART goals. A desire, put that in the comments, a desire is not a goal. Just because I say, well, I want to read the Bible every day. That's, that's a desire. That's not a goal. I want to re read the Bible every day. Great. What are you going to read? Because if I just read the cover, Holy Bible, I've read the Bible that day. <laughs> I could open it up. Read Genesis 1.1. I've read the Bible that day. Is that, but that's not what you meant when you said it. You meant you really want to get into the word every day. I understand that. But a desire is not a goal. So there's something that has to be done that makes that goal a reality. That's why I, told, I, always, I always use this illustration saying, I want to lose weight. Yes, that's not a, that's not a goal. Because if you lose a half an ounce, you've accomplished that goal. But that's not what you meant when you said, I want to lose weight. That's why they have to be specific goals that are measurable. And so when I made that my, up in my mind, I said, all right, I want to read nine chapters of the New Testament every day so that I'll read the New Testament every month. Nine chapters from Matthew to Acts, eight chapters from Re Romans to Revelation. And that's the New Testament every month. But I know exactly what it is. And I never have to wonder. I never have to wonder. Wonder what I'm going to read in the Bible today. I already know. I mean, you could ask me, what are you going to read seven days from now? I could tell you because it's a written out plan. It's in my phone. When are you going to pray? How are you going to pray? What are you going to pray about? Are you going to, you know, no one ever has to ask me if I feel like I'm going to tithe this year. Do you think you're going to tithe? I know I'm thinking about it. I've been just weighing it over my mind. I kind of feel like we're going to tithe again this year, but, um, you know, I'm not sure. But, well, you know, no, I know what my, what my giving plan is. I know what my tithe is, is going to be every single week. I know that my offerings are coming. I know what my goal is. We know what we sowed last year. We know what we got to sow this year to beat it. We know what our biggest offering was last year. We know what we got to sow this year to beat it. So there's goals. There are things that have to be set in stone. The final thing I'll say is this, because I will count this totally separate from everything else, because it's not about you, it's about others. And that is Set yourself a soul goal. Because it's not about you. This isn't what you're doing for yourself. This is for the kingdom. This is for others. What are you doing with souls? Because no matter what you're doing with your job, no matter what you're doing, no matter what a calling is or none of those things, souls are every believer's priority. Souls are, I don't care what you do. You could be a plumber. You could be a mathematician. You could be a rocket scientist. It doesn't matter. You could be a teacher at an elementary school. 
Every believer's priority is souls. So you have to set a goal. You know, we even do that when we go out on the street and we have people set their goal because you say, well, why do you do that? Because even when we send our reach teams out on the street, and, and Evangelist Mike says, hey, set yourself a goal today. Why are we setting ourselves a goal? Okay, because if I go out and say, I want to see five people come to Jesus today, you know what that means? That I have to speak to at least five people. <laughs> I, I can't expect to win five people to Jesus if I don't even talk to five people. So what I'll do instead is I'll set the goal. Yes, I want to win five people to Jesus, but that means that I got to, that, that sets my number at least that's, I got to approach at least that many people. So you can't say to yourself in this year of 2024, I want to see a hundred people come to Jesus, but you never talk to a hundred people. It's going to, that parameter that you set on the soul desire that you have is going to determine how you go after people. It's going to determine how you go after people because I know, and I could track it every month. I can say, okay, I'm believing for a hundred, but I've already got 38 of my hundred. One, right? 62 more to go at least, which means I got to approach a minimum of 62 more people this year, maybe more. But I set the goal and then I go after it because it's going to set parameters. Remember this now because this will change your life. When you give yourself priorities, when you set your focus on something, it sets parameters. This is so vital that you get this tonight. It sets parameters on your life. And parameters are everything when it comes to you accomplishing what God's given you. Everything. Absolutely everything. What does the Bible say? Where there is no prophetic vision. Who can finish that one? Everyone can by heart. You've heard it that much. The people, Old Testament uh, in King James, cast off, uh, 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 people perish, but new uh, the new translations cast off restraint. There it is. Where there's no prophetic vision, people, King James, perish, but it's not really perish. It's cast off restraint. It's so much better that you see it that way than die. You're not going to die. If you don't have prophetic vision, you're not going to die, but you will cast off restraint. What does it mean to cast off restraint? For example, when something's a parameter, it restrains you from doing anything outside of the framework of what you want to accomplish. Let me, let me, let me break that down practically. As I said a moment ago, if I've, if I've got a desire and a goal to win 10 people to Jesus, that goal, which is a specific goal, it's a measurable, measurable goal. It's an attainable goal. It's a relevant goal. And then you can set yourself a deadline. Well, when we're going out with reach teams, we know what our deadline is. We're going out on the street for about an hour, hour and a half. So there's our deadline for the day. I want to see five people come to Christ in this hour and a half period. All right. So it fulfills all the smart goal criteria. All right. Now, now that I've set that goal, recognize what's happening. Now 
I've set parameters on myself. I've set parameters. What are the parameters? The parameters are number one, I can't now get in my car and go home because I have prophetic vision. My prophetic vision is to get on the streets and to win five souls in an hour and a half. So I can't, so what happens? The parameters, those are boundaries. They're boundaries of the goal. So the moment that I just say, well, I'm gonna get in the car and head home. Well, no, we, we haven't even started yet. You've not won five people. So now my parameters are keeping me strapped to the purpose. That means that I can't talk to three people. Why can't I, why can't I only talk to three people? Because my goal is to win five people. And if I have to win five people to Jesus, then I have to speak to at least five people. So those parameters are strapping me to what I have to do rather than what my flesh may want to do. It's the same thing, uh, for example, if you were to do any kind of diet. The specific kind of diet that you go on sets parameters. If you're on keto, then there's parameters about the fact you can't just go eat carbs. You can't just go crush carbs. Why can't I? I can if I want. Not if you're in that parameter of, of keto because it sets a boundary line. And in order to fulfill that vision, you have to stay within those boundaries. <laughs> That's why if you play the game of football, the moment you join a football team, the moment you get in and start practicing, you go play your first game. If you have the ball handed off to you by the quarterback and you take off running down the field and you see tacklers that are coming to chase you, you can't run out of bounds, up the street, across the town, come back into the field later on and run into the end zone and call it a touchdown. It's not a touchdown. Why? Because you broke the rules of the game, which you agreed to when you put on the football uniform and joined the team, that there are parameters to this game. And the parameters say, I can't run out of bounds. If I run about out of bounds, the game, the, the play's over. So you can't say, well, I scored a touchdown anyway because I ran up the street, I ran around the back, came in the chain link fence on the side of the field and ran into the end zone. It doesn't work that way. And they'll never call it a touchdown because you broke the parameters and you left the boundaries of the purpose you're in. That's, that's the same way every purpose works. Every purpose has parameters. Every purpose has boundaries. And that's why when you set them, you're putting yourself inside those boundaries and inside that framework that keeps you tied to your goal. I've told the story many times of how I met the kid that got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers and he was going back to training camp. And I, I was very curious because I didn't know how it worked. And when I asked him if they had... Uh, um, an expectation for his weight and everything when he comes back after the summer, he was like, absolutely. And if I don't hit the weight that they set for me, they fine me thousands of dollars for every pound that I'm over or under. I didn't know that. Why is the team fining him thousands of dollars for every pound that he's over or under? Because he was hired to do a specific job for that team. And they know because they're professionals for, the, for his age and his height and his position how heavy he should be, how much muscle he should have on, what he should, how fast he should be. And if they've paid him money to complete that job and he's outside the parameters of what they know to be right for his position, age, and height, then he's penalized. Why is he penalized? Because you've gone outside the boundaries of what you're called to do. You've gone outside the parameters of what you're called to do. So there's penalty to it. Where there's no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. Do you think he wants to go to the gym every day and he wants to be on that specific diet and he wants to do all that? You don't think he ever wants to just eat a pizza, eat a whole pizza? 
You don't ever think he gets hungry and just wants to do that or go to McDonald's and crush junk food? Of, co of course he does. But the reason that he stays on track is because he's inside of a system that has boundaries and parameters so that he can perform in his purpose. Now think of this. What happens when he stays inside the boundaries and parameters of his purpose? There's reward attached to it. Not just the contract he signed with the NFL, but also within the game. He may win the Super Bowl with the team. That's a separate reward. So he gets the contract payment of his paycheck and he may become a champion by doing what? By staying inside the framework, the boundaries, the parameters set by his purpose. That's what happens to you. If you stay in the framework, you stay in the boundaries, you stay in the parameters, there's reward attached to it. There's absolutely reward. What's the reward? 2024 is going to be your best year ever, best year you've ever seen by what? Staying in the framework and the boundaries and the parameters of your prophetic vision, your calling, your purpose. You are great. You have greatness inside you. God put the Holy Ghost inside you, gave you a purpose, gave you a calling, set you on track, gave you framework. Now it's time to run. Hallelujah. Now it's time to run like you've never run before. And I'm telling you, 2024 is going to be the best year you've ever seen. Number one, set yourself a deadline and launch. Number two, have trackable monthly movement. What did I accomplish that was significant in January, significant in February, significant in March, all the way through your year? Determined to have a clutter-free life. I will not be entangled with relationships and time wasters that, that have nothing to do with my purpose. I'm going to have a spirit plan for my life. If somebody asked me what it was, how I'm developing my spirit to go to another level, I could give them the step-by-step -step process. And number five, I got soul goals. I've got goal. How many people am I bringing into the kingdom this year? I'm setting a goal. I'm setting a goal. As God anoints you, and he has anointed you, to run through 2024, your year of open heavens and open doors, get ready for open rewards. Open heavens, open doors, open rewards. It's going to blow your mind. Father, I pray for every person watching me and listening to me in the name of Jesus. Lord, we have a massive expectation for what you're going to do in our lives and our ministries and businesses and families in this new year. And I pray, especially those that are watching me, if they have no idea what it is that you have set them apart to do, what you've called them to do, I pray that before this week comes to an end, that you would speak a word in their spirit, give them clear direction, guidance, and instruction for what you've called them to do for this new year. Lord, we're stepping out by faith and we're going to run with a divine momentum, move every obstacle out of our way. Everything that, should, that wants to hang on our shoulders, we're setting it aside. Every weight that so easily besets us. This is a year we're going to see things accomplished for the kingdom like we never have. We'll look back and laugh at how much you did this year. 12 months, it'll feel like 12 days. We'll fly through with total victory on every side. In the name of Jesus, strengthen your people. Put a fire in their belly. Lord, those that have been asking you for direction during the fast, let there be so much clarity by the time this fast comes to an end that they'll be like, man, I've never been this focused in my entire life. Show them secrets about the future. We give you praise. Increase is coming to our lives and our purpose. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you and we give you praise. Amen.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.